What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. Uh, this is the Sven Booten Sean episode. What? <laughs> you didn't warn me you were going to say whatever you just said. <laughs> I was looking at uh, uh, Oilers that have worn 19. Yeah. And there's some interesting names that actually pop up here. Just to quickly go through the list, I know we've got a lot of shit to talk about, but uh, Marty Reasoner, Patrick Sullivan, Patrick O'Sullivan. I blocked by him on Twitter, by the way. How? He's he's such a pansy. I don't know. I don't know. He he called Edmonton soft, and I responded something, and he was the one that blocked me. So I, Wait, I did he know. block you personally or the podcast account? Me personally. Okay. This, this is years of... <laughs> it's like you're out there getting this blocked, Greg? Jeez. <laughs> Oh, I never thought. I've got a new avenue now. Yeah, I can harass him some more. <laughs> Justin Schultz, Pat Maroon, Miko Koskinen to round out the bunch. Um, yeah, numbers aside, how's it going? It's going good. Um, I've been pretty optimistic after these past two games, barring first periods. Prefer oh my to God. try and ignore those, but we'll get into that. Yeah. And yeah, everything's going good. How about you? Not bad. I got to watch the game with my dad this weekend. Well, my mom was there too, but she's a Leafs fan, so she kind of counts. Um, it was nice to just, you know, chill out with the fam and uh, watch the hockey game. Um, I was ready to burn down the team after Saturday night, but I calmed down. It was probably a good thing that we had a couple 48 hours to calm down. Yeah, after the first period, I think in both games, everybody was losing their minds, and then it really calmed down and settled in. And at the end of both games, everybody was saying the same thing. If we, yeah. play, if we showed up on time, we probably would have won. Yeah. So let's not waste any time. Let's dive into opening night on Wednesday against the Canucks. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's just that mentality of being in the playoffs. It's like they can't lose this game. They cannot lose it. I think we probably need to shake that mentality because I think it's part of the old Oilers mentality that every game is a must win. And I think, to be fair, it's really, really important to get off to a good start. You don't <laughs> Which be, we definitely did. Yeah, you don't want to be like San Jose, who's 0-4 last I checked, and I think oh, really? Vegas, who's 3-0. Oh, my goodness. So, like, it's a little risky if you fall behind a team like Vegas. Say, Let's just say, hypothetically, Vegas, Calgary, and Vancouver do really good off the hop. Then we're chasing three teams for those positions all season. So we really yeah. need to come out to a good start. I think if you look at Calgary last year too, where I think they made a lot of hay is like just getting games to overtime. Yeah. Like I think they had, they were in the double digits for overtime losses, oh, yeah. but those extra points count, man. Yeah. I think I was thinking about that all last season where I really wanted them to switch to the three point system. I don't oh, know yeah. once again, if it would have made a difference, right. but cause I never recalculated it. Yeah. But with that being said, it would be nice because I'm so tired of seeing the like 50, 10 and 20 records. It's like, you, that should be like a 50 and 30 record because you yeah. lost 30 games yeah. just because 20 of them were in overtime. I don't see why that matters so much. Yeah. Yeah. I agree there, but it, uh, it was nice to get the season started off on a hot start. Uh, did you watch any other games that on Wednesday? Um, I watched several games like every day I would like yeah. me and my roommates were just chilling, watching random games, whether it was like Toronto games, 
Because yeah. it turns out I have NHL Center Ice, and I oh, totally shit. didn't know that. Oh, that's so pretty So every time there's a whistle, we just switch to another game and <laughs> watch every single game. But that, yeah. I never watched a f- one of the games from start to finish. Yeah. I just watched, like, some of the Toronto games. Like, I got to watch the end when they gave up that goal in the first game oh, in the last 18 seconds. Brutal. But That was the, actually the one that I was just going to talk about because uh, I was curious if you saw the Carey Price ovation that he got. I didn't see any of that stuff. Oh, man. It, it was so sad to see him come out because like he looks like he's he's doing really good and his body's just kind of shutting him down and i don't know it it felt very much like a goodbye but whatever as long as the guy's happy like yeah it was it was just something to see but um back to the oilers the uh i guess the season technically started like last week but it technically started on friday yeah even though there was a shit ton of preseason games still to come what so dumb i get why they were overseas playing games there and they needed time to fly back and get rid of the jet lag before they were able to play more games. But like, why don't they do it the same way that like the NFL, I think they had a game in England or whatever. Well, like the NFL is different though, that they have a week between games. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. Like, let's say they were playing in Switzerland and then, Oh, next day you got the second half of a back to back in California. It'd just be nice to see if they could back end it on like uh their, their week off. Yeah. Well, they should have planned it out better. But if there's one thing I've seen from the schedule this season is that they didn't plan things very well considering we only play calgary three times <laughs> only one of which is in edmonton it's a catastrophe it's so bad um but yeah so the oilers play the canucks opening night i was pretty uh uh pretty much over the eight o'clock start right before the puck dropped i was like jesus christ like it's a wednesday <laughs> we're, we're doing this already <laughs> yeah i would like to avoid as many like wednesday games as possible just because those wednesday games are national mm. and that means we're probably playing after an eastern canadian team which mm. means we're going to be starting at eight o'clock yeah i uh i'm really intrigued we're recording this obviously on monday here um just the we're talking about different uh, uh broadcasts but uh, Sportsnet announced that they've got a new show that's kind of replacing the hometown hockey on Monday. Oh, I never heard that. Yeah, and their panel sounds insane. It's got David Amber, uh, Anson Carter, Cassie Campbell, and Keith Yandel. I like the Yandel inclusion, but you lost me at Cassie Campbell. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like there's two really, really good personalities there. I just, I don't know. It. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll check it out, but <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Cassie Campbell's made me tune out of things before, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I actually, I was like getting into, not an argument, but a, like a discussion with my roommates where it was like the current panel yeah. where it was like, uh, I think it was Jennifer Botterill and uh, she's great. Who's the other one who's on there too sometimes? Oh, uh, shit. She's the one that hosts, right? Yeah. Yeah, I forget her. I'm name. so bad with names. Yeah. But anyways, like I was telling my friends, I was like, this is what like a woman announcer should be where I cannot tell the difference on who it is because she is very informed. Mm. She's very articulate and isn't biased. Yeah. So like it makes a huge difference compared to Cassie Campbell. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, Yeah. We've kind of danced around it. The Oilers jumped out to a, I don't even know how you put it into words. That was probably the worst way you could start a season. I mean, for both the Oilers and Dylan Holloway individually. Oh my good God. That was probably one of the worst ways to start the year, which was giving away the puck to Elias Pettersson and essentially giving him a breakaway. It was a two-on-one, but 
Um, I think it was Murray just took the other guy out of the equation completely, and then he just undressed Campbell. It's funny because you look at like Luke Robitaille, first goal, first NHL shift, like Dylan Holloway. Holloway's never gonna forget that shift. Yeah, like getting... what a what a pizza. Yeah, I, I felt bad for him immediately, especially because after that he immediately got dropped down to the third line. Yeah, and like maybe it was just a quick like shock to his system to be like, hey, you can't do that. Well, or that, else we're gonna demote you. And I get the nerves and the jitters of getting into it, but like, uh, that's that's something they teach you in Adam. Like, don't throw pucks up the middle. Um, but uh, it happened. Uh, it's probably a good shock Listen, to the system. I still like. Yes, he only played like eight minutes that night, um, but he wasn't benched for the rest of the game and only paid played two or three minutes, like true. Samarukov, for example. True. When he made mistakes in his first game. True. And Very then true. he got sent back to the minors, and we never saw him again. Yeah. And now he's not even here. So, I uh, think it's a good sign that Woodcroft gave Holloway not only another chance, but didn't immediately pack his bags and send him down true. to Bakersfield. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, so the the quick uh, Pedersen, uh, Miller, one-two punch there. Um, I just I was like, wow, this is this is not a hot start. But the um, I'd like to say that Campbell had no chance on either. Of oh those yeah, guys. yeah. They're both odd man rushes, and like the Miller one, I think he should have probably saved it, but it was still like a wicked goal scorer's goal. Yeah, JT Miller's say. shot was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. so like. People calling for uh, Campbell's head after that period because later on for the second half of that period, he made like 10 fantastic saves. I I thought that like McDavid's hat trick aside, Jack Campbell's the best player in that game. Oh, I agree. He was insane. Um, well, I guess Drysaddle had four points as well. That's also true, yeah. That's a classic Drysaddle game. <laughs> where, like, you, what did you say you last at, week? <laughs> oh, yeah. like you, It seems like he's doing nothing. You yeah. look at the scoreboard and you're like... How does he have three points? It's <laughs> just a quiet four yeah. point night. No yeah, big and deal. this time it's four points. Like, I was just like, yeah, Dressel, I think he had a good game. It was like one goal, three assists. Okay, okay. Now I'm trying to remember where those came from. Yeah. Did, um, well, I guess we'll get into the intermission stuff, but uh, before we, we jet out of the first period, the nurse penalty really fucking bothered me. Did you hear Anthony Stewart's comments? No, I, did. I didn't hear God, it. It was so funny. It was like we were watching the In Between Periods show, and he's like, that's a great penalty to take. Oh, my. He's like, and he's like, the team, they love that stuff, and like now they'll, I guarantee they'll kill it off. And yeah. we're, we're and just sitting there like, that's not a good penalty. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, that's uh, – it was a bone – like it's a meathead move. Like, like I, the hit itself, like he got fined for it. Yeah. Which we were going to talk about. Might as well talk about it now since sure. it's the hit. Um, but like, I like the idea behind the hit, but the execution was terrible. Yeah. Like well, the other a thing late too... hit, end of the period to the head. Yeah. Terrible execution. <laughs> you I just want three things you're not yeah. supposed to do. <laughs> I want nurse to be physical, but not like that. Oh, it was just, it was unnecessary. Like he had Kane in there already. He didn't need to lay the body on him. Yeah. Uh, it's just so dumb. Yeah, the cane hit, like, I liked. I was just yeah. like, yeah, you throw the, like, you know there's no finish time left check, on the clock, yeah. but you finish that check. Yeah. Then Nurse comes in and just, like, ruins the moment. Uh, just brain brain dead move. Well, but. and then later in that game, too, there was a, I think it was a almost a breakaway or a two-on-one for Vancouver where somebody took, like, a tripping or a hooking penalty so the guy mm-hmm. couldn't get the shot away. And I pointed at the TV. I was like, that's a good penalty. Yes. Like, that's yeah. one you take. Yes. Yeah. Not a nothing play at the end of the period. Exactly. Yeah. Um, into the first intermission, did you watch Friedman's interview with Dreisaitl? Yes. I that did. was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I really like that. 
I like uh, I watched After Hours on Saturday with Dry Saddle too. Oh yeah, yeah, th- that was really good. Yeah, they, everybody asks him the same questions at this point. They just always ask him about his ankle and his passing and his backhand and why he uses such a big stick. Just yeah. the same questions all the time. It was cool to see though the the one player that he looked up to and like get to hear that story of him growing up with his dad. So yeah, th- yeah, that was pretty neat. Um, yeah, so heading in the Oilers decided to start playing hockey after I guess they let in that power play goal to start off the period. Yeah, that power play goal, that was the Kuzmenko backdoor tap-in. Like, yeah. Kulak kind of just got, uh, I'm not going to say he got picked by a guy, but like he got caught up with another guy and just completely lost Kuzmenko in the play, and he was just there backdoor. Uh, but to be fair, it was very fast. Kuzmenko kind of came out of nowhere from the wing and just went to the back door. It was really good play by him, great pass, and once again, Campbell, no chance. He's going to be... Uh... He's gonna be a, a force in the coming in the coming years. Kuzmenko, yeah. He looked. I will say he was probably the best player on the ice for yeah. Vancouver that entire game. I noticed him constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna love him in Vancouver. Um, we could have loved him here. That's true. But he he just didn't want to be on our power play. But <laughs> it goes to show why uh, he went to Vancouver in the first place because he wanted that top power play time. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it's gonna suit him. Well, exactly. It's yeah. showing already that it's paying dividends that he chose to go there. Yeah. Um, yeah, the constant theme through this was like the amount of penalties. I'll give it, I I don't think the Oilers took eight penalties and I think seven of them were legitimate bonehead penalties. Yeah. I was having a tough time arguing and like I've said before, I don't care if we're getting eight penalties, especially Mm -hmm. when they're blatant. But what I don't like is that Vancouver only takes like three penalties compared to that. Like they should be within a few of each other. But, like, maybe Edmonton was playing significantly more sloppy. Mm. And there was also some pretty significant missed calls, which is on this next goal, which right. was Hughes getting high-sticked by somebody. I don't remember. I can't name. remember who it was. It was at the point, right? Yeah. yeah. But he was down, bleeding, out of the play. Um, they scored while he was recovering. And then he left the game for, whatever, 10 minutes afterwards. Yeah. I And a lot of people, like, Vancouver's obviously going to take the position where, like, uh, well, I mean, the play should have been called like it was a missed call that's exactly what it was but uh vancouver had enough opportunities to get that back oh i agree like vancouver like can't complain about it at all i went on the vancouver subreddit just to read some comments from people after the game to see yeah. how they felt about it what was the temperature and like well they were pretty heated mostly oh, yeah. because they were disappointed that they lost yeah but like there was probably like a loud majority of people complaining about the hughes thing but then every comment after somebody would complain about the Hughes thing, it'd be like, dude, we had eight power plays. Yeah. Like, obviously, it sucks it was missed, mm-hmm. but like we shot ourselves in the foot. It's not like that wasn't the play that lost us the game. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But yeah, those are the things you got to shake off and just get them again. Um, I, it goes back to that uh, McDavid goal. I don't know if you remember in the Calgary series. Last uh, last playoffs where he had a goal called back, and the very next shift he just basically did the same thing and made that one count. Like it's yeah. yeah. But um, if speaking of special teams, though, uh, the Oilers obviously get the one from from Drysital. The second power play goal from Connor McDavid. That set play was nasty. That like I've said it a million times to people I know, where it's like. I see all these hot, like highlights where it's mm. nice passing plays and stuff, but it's never Edmonton. They're always like, yeah, maybe good one point. good pass and a snipe or like a broken play that gets knocked into the net, but it's never Edmonton making those pretty passing plays. And I loved to see that. Yeah, that was like as textbooked as you could possibly get. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, it was very pretty, very pretty. But I want to see more of that this year. 
But that's part of the positives of having the same five guys playing on the power play for essentially the past six years in a row, like mm-hmm. Sands, Hyman, Kane, under whoever they decide to throw in front of the net. Like everybody else, Nuge, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Barry now have well, all been playing together. So I was going to ask that question a little bit later, but might as well ask it now. Like, is that the reason that Barry's still on the power play? Uh, I think familiarity is really yeah. important there. And regardless of how people want Bouchard to take that position, yeah. especially playing third-pairing minutes, Barry's going to be getting those minutes, or else he's going to fall out of the rotation a little bit more. And I'd rather Bouchard killing penalties than Barry killing penalties yeah. if I had a, to choose between the two. Well, that yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way um, because there's also that aspect to it. But I, th- I thought the Oilers' special team was extreme. Special teams, uh, let's put a plural on that, were very, very strong. Uh, oh, definitely Vancouver. need a plural on that. There yeah. was a lot of special teams. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but uh, Nurse obviously getting the one at the end of the period there. I uh, did not expect that one. To, I was ready to, like, you know, settle in for the intermission. It's funny because I schedule these tweets, like, yeah. um, to, like, do up a draft of, like, thoughts. And I was like, oh, fuck, I got to delete this now because I got to go and <laughs> Got to go edit everything before it posts. Yeah. But um, jumping into the third, Connor McDavid doing Connor McDavid things. Uh, Great goal by McDavid, but Hyman's the reason that was a goal absolutely. in the first place. Absolutely. He, I was going to say watching this game that I never noticed Hyman too much. And then he goes and does that play where he just fights for the puck and gets it to McDavid. And McDavid just does, like you said, McDavid things. Yeah. Uh, Hyman is one of those players like I absolutely love him on the penalty kill because it's been a while since we've and and not that that's the point of it but it's been a while since we've had people on the ice on the PK where it's like we could actually score here there's a there's a thing on the Oilers subreddit now that they're spreading and it's no longer called the penalty kill it's called the power kill because we're just as dangerous (laughs) on the penalty kill as we are on the power play yeah that's that's legit I never thought of that well like (laughs) Fans of the other team that are watching and saying, I'm so surprised by Edmonton because it feels like everybody who's killing that penalty, they also they just want to go the other way and they want to score. Mm. It feels like they don't even give a fuck sometimes. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we have a chance at a two-on-one. Like, the defenseman's like, fuck it, I'll jump into the play. Three-on-one, like, they're, like, frothing at the mouth for that chance. Well, yeah, the, the nurse goal. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree. Hyman was the, the workhorse on that. Uh, and then obviously the empty net to complete the hat trick. Uh, with that being said, did you see that lady that had a parlay? She had a five-team parlay, and uh, she picked like uh, individuals to score in like five different games. Yeah, she hit every single one. Was did she pick Kane? She had Kane on her list. She bet five bucks. She could have won like eight hundred and twenty-five bucks. Yeah, and he passed it back. I'm like, oh my god, but. That being said, the actual play, like, that is such a, like, heads-up, like, teammate move right there. Here's, like, two things I want to say about it. One, great pass. Like, team play. A lot of people would say Kane would never do that, (laughs) like, leading into, like, before he came to Edmonton. Secondly, I never want to see him do that again. That's fair. (laughs) If you have a wide-open shot on empty net, you fucking take it. Have you seen that? I'm sure McDavid was probably like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, it reminds me of that scene out of uh, Major League. I don't know if you've seen that movie where the pop fly goes into the outfield and the guy decides to catch it underhand and he comes in and he's running. The manager's like, nice play. Don't ever fucking do that again. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, it's any play like that. You see a guy like 
do some like wild play on defense or something on a one-on-one that works and they're like wow great play don't do that bury that as soon as you can yeah if it has a one (laughs) percent chance of working don't keep doing it because you're Uh, bound to fail if it keeps working yeah no kidding so yeah if that was a if like say for example mcdavid missed that goes the other way and calgary scores yeah like we wouldn't be talking about how unselfish kane is we'd be talking about how what an idiot of a fucking idiot yeah so yeah unselfish play that's awesome also don't do that ever again (laughs) i like that take i like that take uh, but it was nice, yeah, it's nice to finish off the season um, with the uh, with a win. Um, finish the season or start off Jesus Christ, I'm trying to do too many things here at once. The The one thing I was going to, before we move off of this game, is um, it looked like Connor McDavid's going to lead the team in PIMS. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's on a, pace for, like, I don't know, 400 PIMS or something. He's just going to lead every single category the Oilers have. It's nice to start this season with a W is what I was getting at. Yes. Well, I think Edmonton's been pretty good about starting the season with a W. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't remember the exact stat, but we've won probably the past five or six home openers. That yeah. I or season openers, rather. I feel so. like we, um, I know the last two seasons, obviously, we've played Vancouver. Well, no, because we played Calgary the first game back, wasn't it? I don't Our first season back. Ah, fuck, whatever. It's I know, yeah, we're pretty season. deadly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can tell we do our research before these. <laughs> Hey man, we got notes, but important, important. Yeah, we got to hire an intern. Uh, yeah, yeah, we pay nothing, but um, I got a friend who's exposure. unemployed. Maybe he'd be interested in being an unpaid intern <laughs> until he finds a job. You can do the the googling in the middle of the episodes. Exactly, he'll be a producer. <laughs> um, yeah, that that pretty much takes care of all my notes for uh, for the Canucks, other than the concession prices, which is something we need to talk about. Yeah, so this was trending earlier last week. I'm sure everybody and their moms talked about it at this point. Right. Um, but consensus, concession prices? Bullshit. Horseshit, yeah. They were, I, I was watching the Steve Dangle podcast because they had a clip talking about it. And they had everybody, like, each other guessing the prices. And they were like, he's like, two popcorns and two pops. He's like, here's the most absurd thing I could possibly think of, like, if, like... Something that would blow my mind. And he's like, 20 bucks. Oh, my and God. It's it just like, <laughs> not even like, close. Well, for the popcorn, I think it was like 25 or something. I two, can't two pops and two popcorns is $36. Okay. So, like, double that almost. Well, maybe he said $30 and then they oh. said 36 it's, And he was just like, that was like my bullshit guess. And yeah. it's higher than that. Yeah. It's absolutely outrageous. Oh, it's gouging out the ass. And I yeah. fucking can't handle it. The Atlanta uh atlanta falcons i believe they they basically went retro when their new oh, stadium the was built the really cheap ones yeah right? they have like two dollar hot dogs and shit like that same with the masters like i know at uh, augusta if you're ever lucky enough to go there like they have like stupid cheap prices well it's the but... same they keep the same prices all the time that's yeah. kind of like the gimmick that they have going there but i sure would like that gimmick around here no shit yeah i just don't understand how they can possibly warrant that. Like, they need to come out and explain why they're that expensive. Because I need something, or else I'm never buying anything that's not a beer at a hockey game again. Even the beer is fucking bullshit. But if they they talk about prices and, like, inflation and shit like that, you need to fire your supply chain team. Oh, exactly. Your procurement team is not working. (laughs) It's like buying fucking Italian popcorn or something like that. (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing, but... (laughs) Uh, Just outrageous. Um... Yeah, so heading into Saturday, uh, I was kind of curious with the Flames. Like, what are what are we gonna get? Is it gonna be kind of the the craziness of last year? Is Calgary gonna be there? Um, 
kind of shove it up our hoop to start off the, the game, and that's exactly what they did. Well, this is, like we said, Edmonton needs to show up on time. Yeah. They keep doing stupid shit. So it started with just a weak battle by the defenseman along the wall. I think it was Bouchard and uh, Kulak, which the puck ended up going to the point. A very bouncing puck that I think went off Holloway's stick, unfortunately. Like, I'm not blaming him on that because he tried his best to tip it. And then it just trickled to the front and just got pounded into the net. Yeah. Because Campbell had no fucking clue where the puck was. And they just slid it between his legs, I believe. And nothing they could do. I think that one, I can't remember which one it was, but it was very similar to the first goal where the puck's kind of just laying there and you can't find a fucking defenseman's stick to, to get it out. It's yeah. just, those those can't happen. Well, it felt kind of like a like just no effort from the defense, whether it was the lost battle on the wall that created the turnover in the first place or the puck sitting out front and nobody's getting to it. Like maybe you're tied up with a guy, but if you're tied up with a guy, he better be tied up too. Yeah. So. I... I've waited about 24 minutes into this podcast now just to uh, to get into it because I, I've been like, do I want to be nice? Do I want to like overblow things? The Edmonton Oilers have two fucking NHL defensemen on their team. And that's being like generous. I've said, I think I said all offseason that I'd rather put the money into our defense and improving right. our defense. Well, and it goes down to the goaltending thing. Like, everybody's jumping on, on Campbell, and we're going to get into the other goals and everything that happened, but you look at the last Stanley Cup winners over the past two decades, like, no offense to Darcy Kemper, but he's not exactly, like, your A++ goaltender. But when you have a stellar defense in front of you, you can do amazing things. But Yeah, like, the defense makes a huge difference. Well, look at look at Montreal. You have arguably one of the best goalies in the world at the time. Shit defense, what did they ever win? Well, the defense matters more than anything to me. Yeah. Just because, like, the only team I can think of in recent memory that had a pretty lackluster defense who won the cup was Pittsburgh. And that's when Latang was injured, so, like, Brian Dumoulin was their number mm. one defenseman at the time. But that was more of an anomaly, not the yeah. new norm that you can't put, you don't have to put money into your defense. You could just focus on stacking your forwards and hope for the best. Because now we're having the reverse problem where we finally have forward depth. But it doesn't matter because our defense is ass. Yeah. And small sample size, mind you. Yeah. But maybe that's why, which we'll go get into after we're done talking about this game, they've called up Nima Landon now. Yes, yeah. To try and jumpstart that defense maybe a little bit. Barry Kulak, the, the pick on Kulak when he just like ate shit and Kadri went in and scored, I think that made it 4-1, 10 minutes into the fucking game. Oh, that was the 3-1 goal. Was it 3-1? Yeah, that was the Kadri breakaway goal. Oh, Mangiapane. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Mangiapane scored on a 2-on-1 with Kadri after, I don't know who, I forgot to look who it was, but it was a terrible change along the boards. Defenseman jumps on the bench. The other guy gets off the bench, is like reaching with one foot still on the bench to try and touch the puck. (laughs) It's like, who fucking changes there? Like, keep your head up and pay attention. The Oilers... Like, bench management is a joke right now. I mean, to be fair, bench management is always a joke at the beginning of the year. Yeah, but well, you, you shouldn't have too, too many men penalties and how many goals against because of a line change. Oh, I agree. Like, like it's, it's no excuse. Yeah. But it is a common occurrence for all teams, usually, at this point in the season. <laughs> there is a coach that uh, I used to coach with. Well, the, the HC, uh, if he's listening, I know he'll be laughing. But 
I got called on a too many men penalty and he looked at me across the bench in front of everybody and he's like, do your fucking job. And so every time I see like a, um, uh, too many men penalty. I that just like sends shivers down my spine. So it's giving uh, giving you some sort of PTSD about <laughs> yeah. it, like oh god. Yeah, but yeah. So four one. I I didn't know if this was gonna be a freaking nine six game or or what we were getting into. But yeah, I was expecting another game one of uh, the playoffs last year, where it was just like <laughs> five goals Calgary, five goals Edmonton, another three goals Calgary, another two goals Edmonton. It was just like back and forth. But I mean to that. To that extent, like Campbell getting pulled, that that's a team move. That is not a Campbell move. No, like it was purely to jolt the team. It yeah. wasn't Campbell's fault. Like I think at the end of this game, they had like forty-five shots too, Calgary, mm. and we had what twenty-five. So we, you can't expect to win getting out shot like that. Yeah, it's th- there's another stat that I'm looking at that I'll get to in a moment, but I you you have to you have to do a change. You have to call a timeout. You have to do something different. And uh, I think you saw it on Campbell's face on the bench. Like, he was upset. Well, like, the goalies are always going to blame themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, clarifying, he was upset at himself, not the the call. Like, they're always going to be upset with themselves. And they're like, I'm the last line of defense. If the puck goes past me, it's my fault regardless of what happened. Because I'm there to bail people out and to do my job. Their job isn't to make sure the puck doesn't go across the line. That's mine. So, of those four goals, because, I mean... Twitter was blowing up, like, what kind of a bum did we get in in Campbell? How many do you think he realistically had a chance on? Well, let's see. We got the first one. I can't even remember who scored it. Yeah, that was the, Backlund. Yeah, through, like, ten people and Backlund bangs it in. Yeah. I would say he probably had the best chance on that one. Because mm. the next one was the stone slap shot that was a seeing eye shot off the post through ten guys where well, nobody saw the puck. Who the fuck was in his crease? Like, he had his own defenseman's ass right in his face. Like, he can't yeah. tell. Yeah, so no chance on that one. Then we had the Kadri breakaway goal. Like, it's a breakaway. It's a Yeah, that you, was going to be, like, my one that I thought he could get. But. Yeah, like, a breakaway is a breakaway. You can't give up high-danger chances. And then there's the two-on-one. Mm-hmm. And personally, if it's a two-on-one where the pass does get across, where Kadri passed to Manjipani on the other side of the crease, they have no chance. Mm-hmm. So, at the end of the day, I think including the Vancouver game as well, if we're including that one, I'd say the JT Miller shot was probably the one he had the most chance on. Yeah. And outside of that, everything else, I would say he had a below 50% chance to save. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you want your goalie to be saving these high danger chances and bailing out your defense once in a while. And I know I've said that in the past that like, I think during the playoffs, people were complaining about Smith in a few games. And I was like, like he didn't have a chance, but he needs to make one of them. Yeah. And you can make that argument with Campbell here that he needs to make one or two of these saves to keep the team in it. But yeah. he didn't lose the game for the team. No, I, I would agree that. Agree with that. I think uh, the one thing that I was thinking of too is like it bleeds into the poor defense that we have. Um, the one thing that w- the Oilers are really good against the Canucks is they, they kept the puck outside. And, and whenever Vancouver, like, I'm a firm believer that Jack Campbell. If he he's probably maybe top three goaltenders in the NHL when he can see the puck. Yeah, his positioning is pretty fantastic most of the time. Yeah, and as long as there's not too much traffic, which there has been on a lot of these goals, um, he mostly saves it. Beside the JT Miller one, like mm-hmm. I talked about, but yeah, if it's not an odd man rush of some kind, two on one breakaway or like ten people in front of him, he saves it, mm-hmm. and generally has great rebound control from what I've seen. 
he reminds me so much of Curtis Joseph. So much. Just the, he's like a cat out there. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I think we're both on the same page. Like this is way too early to tell. And to that, to the, the other flip side of the coin, I guess, Stuart Skinner was fucking phenomenal. He did kind of what Campbell didn't, which was make the big saves, the timely saves. To be fair, I think Edmonton's defense really like battened down the hatches after that. And they got the message that they needed to improve <laughs> and take away some of those higher danger chances. <laughs> Why the fuck does it always take three or four goals to figure that out? Well, it really shouldn't. <laughs> they should have this discussion before the game starts, preferably, Yeah. and figure that out. But it feels like half the time they just come to the game sleeping. Mm. And maybe it's all these APM starts. We'll, we'll see. Uh, is the game tomorrow not an APM start? Uh, it is not, I do not believe. Word. Yeah, Seven o'clock nice. tomorrow. Okay, so if they show up and they're awake, we'll see. Well, the, maybe they'll have a sloppy second period when eight p.m. comes around. The one I'm nervous for actually is Saturday, the two p.m. game. Two p.m. game. Oh, I'm gonna be busy, so I can't wait to record it and then oh. watch it afterwards. Yeah, it's. Anyways, um, yeah. So the Oilers climb back in it. Uh, I think um, Stuart Skinner, like like you were mentioning, he really gave the Oilers that chance to climb back in. Uh, obviously, they had the CC goal uh, early on in the game, and then um, McDavid and uh, your boy Ryan McLeod. Yeah. So first, the McDavid goal. Yeah. Great pass by Kane. Mm. The between the legs, no look pass to McDavid on the back door. Mm. I don't know how McDavid ever gets that open in his life, <laughs> but um, it's once again more creative goals from Edmonton's power play. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they maybe Hyman made a pass similar to that, but it was never McDavid on the back door on that side. So. That's one thing that I love about Edmonton's power play is that like Nuge, Drysaddle, and McDavid just rotate. The three of them are constantly rotating. Um, so that was fantastic goal. And then the McLeod goal all started by McLeod winning the faceoff in the yes. offensive zone and immediately like crashing the net as soon as he won that faceoff. So it goes to show faceoffs very important. True. That's why I like Ryan McLeod because he wins faceoffs. And I say that without stat checking to see if he actually had a, like above fifty percent faceoff, but. Now what? I'm really hoping he does. <laughs> Let's pull it up. Let's pull it up. We got the stats here. But Ryan McLeod had a 55% faceoff win. Above 50%. Go. That's all you need. Okay. Can, but, I, can I shit on him now? Sure. <laughs> Are you here, done? I'm, I'm going to plug my ears. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, there's just one thing in his game that fucking will drive me nuts. And it, and it hasn't really cost him anything. But... He loves to throw a lateral pass before hitting the blue line between the dots, and it drives me fucking nuts because three things can happen. You can obviously give, uh, said your guy, I think Pugliari went offside twice because he didn't ride the line. Um, and then you could obviously set your, your teammate up for a suey. Uh, and then the, obvious, the, the most obvious one is it, it opens up for a, um, a takeaway the other way. So I don't know. I would just like to see him maybe move that puck a little bit more north as opposed to just lateral right on the blue line. But So this is always right when he carries the puck in. So as McLeod is, he tends to be one of the players who carries the puck in on his line. Right. He's the puck carrier. Is that more of a sample size thing where he does it so many times that you notice when he's passing it laterally? Or did it happen just that many times? I think it happened like three. Well, he has three giveaways that game. And I'm pretty sure every single one of them was because of that lateral pass. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it didn't cost them on the score sheet. Um, Yet. But, 
Yeah, not yet. yet. Yes, yes, yes. That's but, the whole point of what you're trying to get at. Yeah. Is it, it's just a matter of time. It's like the low percentage chance I was talking about. Right. It's like, just because it hasn't ended up in the back of your net doesn't mean it's not going to eventually. It's true. And I'm not saying that to shit on Ryan McLeod because he's been, he's had a, a really strong start to the season. It's just one of those things that like when things are going good, you still have to look at like things that, you know, could crop up. That was just the one thing that stood out for me. So ultimately, what are, what would you want him to do in those situations? Either, either throw the puck in across the blue line, carry it in, or make it after the blue line. Yeah. That would be my only thing. Um, but the, uh, yeah, that, that, that was just going to be my, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Next yeah. Now. Yeah. The, um, the one thing I did want to talk about, and I think that it speaks to the way the team is playing, playing, um, I'm fumble fucking all of my words. Today. It's, it's, it's fine. Not, Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. It's okay. a Monday. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is the, the giveaway takeaway stats. So I wrote these down because, um, one thing that always stood out to me about Taylor Hall when he was here is he led the team in giveaways, but he led the team in takeaways. He was notorious for giving up the puck and getting it back. And the Oilers don't have a single player on the team that does that anymore. Like, uh, when you look at the... So they had 17 giveaways against Calgary. Mm -hmm. And they took the puck back 11 times. Did I say Calgary? Against Vancouver. Okay, against Vancouver. Okay. So when we compare that to Vancouver, Vancouver had basically... Well, they had 10 giveaways. Yeah. So, obviously, we saw that in the results. Um, the big thing that stands out is the Calgary game. So, in the Calgary game, the Edmonton Oilers had 19 giveaways versus four fucking takeaways. Four of them. Of those 19, eight of them come from your defense. I don't like to see the defense ones. At least yeah. with the, like, the offense giveaways, they tend to be getting choked out at the blue line or... I don't know if it counts as a takeaway if you dump it in the other team's defense gets the puck. Mm, I'm yeah. assuming it doesn't because that happens quite often. But generally speaking, it's an offensive zone giveaway. Yeah. Like, I'd really like to see some more advanced stats too because Edmonton tends to – that's kind of their style. They're not a dump and chase team versus Calgary, who is a little bit more of the dump and chase. So they have more opportunities to give the puck away because they tend to try and carry the puck in, whether it's – McDavid, Drysidle, Nuge, McLeod, essentially those four are like the big puck carriers. So one of them is probably giving, if you look at those stats for the giveaways, I'm sure the four of them are probably, in terms of forwards, they're probably at the top of the list. Yeah. But the defensive giveaways, to be fair, I do not like, and I don't really have much of an excuse for, mm -hmm. because those tend to be a lot more high danger, I would think. Yeah, I, I would, yeah, fully agree with that. Um and shocker, who do you think has the most giveaways of those defense? Well, I want to say Nurse just out of sheer like absolutely. Um, like, the number of passes he probably makes per game would result in more giveaways, unless it's like an exponentially larger amount. Like he has seven of those nine or something like that. So our defense is credited with sixteen giveaways, and he has six of them. Okay. So it, it's six kinda... out of sixteen isn't that bad considering he plays like yeah he's a the most he's a minute muncher. For sure. But back to my uh, my question. So uh, about the defense, it's not really a question. It's what I was talking about earlier. But with the defense, who are your two NHL guys if I were to ask you? Well, probably Nurse and CeCe, I yeah, would assume. that was the two I had. And, like, I think they are all NHL defensemen, maybe not the – actually, no. I think they're all NHL defensemen, except they just lack that, like, top-end elite talent. 
So it kind of makes things a little bit difficult to properly judge them, I guess. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. Um... But at the end of the day, when it comes to giveaways and takeaways, you have to look at them in a more detailed way because like i was saying for nurse for example i remember gregor harping on this last year uh maybe it was even the year before but what he was saying was essentially like yes nurse does have a lot of giveaways but he has like 10 times as many successful breakout passes than anybody else on the team so in terms of a percentage of the passes he's making Mm -hmm. he's like far and away above everybody else on the team it just feels like uh um just the breakout is just it needs some tinkering it needs some tinkering yeah i don't know what manson has to look at there but there's something going on there that i don't know the guys just don't seem to maybe they don't think they have as much time at the puck as they actually do yeah but that's more of a rookie problem usually well it's weird because like one of the the barry kulak defense pairing is going to put me in an early grave yeah but did they put murray with bouchard now yeah murray's with bouchard and uh Bouchard has made some kind of, like, dumb mistakes this year. Uh, I know it's two games in, and it kind of wonders, like, maybe he should have, like, had a couple more, you know, preseason games. A little bit, shake those cobwebs out a little bit, but Well, I don't that's know. another thing to take into consideration as well, is we're two games into the year. Right. And a lot of players, their timing's kind of off. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, for example, McDavid in those some of those preseason games um you know how we kept giving the puck away or making like blind passes to no one yes and you're kind of like what's going on yeah but it's because like everyone's timing's off so players aren't where they might usually be in like the set play or something they're a little bit behind things fall apart um, and the same goes for the breakout pass where timing just isn't always there because you're getting trying to get up to nhl speed because even if you're playing preseason that's not nhl speed none right. of those players are Besides guys who are fighting for a roster spot, none of them are truly trying, I would think, that hard. Mm-hmm. I I fully agree with that. The uh, Speaking of Connor, like if we're going to shit over the, the giveaways and takeaways, like he led the team in the first game. And I don't know. It, it's not a fantastic stat to give up five pucks and have zero takeaways. No, it's and, not. So I know I, I said the Oilers don't really have... Um, Anyone that would, you know, get those pucks, the Taylor Hall-esque, I think I'm going to walk that back because I don't think that's fair to Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. Like that guy. He's very good at giving the puck away and then taking it back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of his specialty, I thought, now that I think about it. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I think the takeaways, giveaway stats is similar to plus minus in the sense that it just doesn't tell the whole story. Right. About what's going on. Like, a giveaway could be like, say you're carrying the puck into the offensive zone your entire team's going to change. So you go and tie the puck up along the boards and eventually they take it from you. And there's four guys on you and they take it away. That's a takeaway. Yeah. A misassignment. Like if a guy's supposed to be going this way, he goes, you know, the other way. I, I can see how that, um, but just, I thought that was something interesting that, that stood out there. Um, let's talk Dylan Holloway. What, what about him? Maybe April- that's the moral of the story is what about him? He hasn't exactly shined in these two games. To be fair, I don't think he should have to shine with the roster that we have. But um, I would have hoped for a bit more. But I think he's maybe a little bit nervous after that first play. If that wouldn't have happened, I'd like to see how these two games would have went for him if he never had that giveaway. Yeah, I think next week when we record this podcast, we'll have a better idea. The Oilers have four games in between then, but... I'm just going to go out on a limb here and 
I would like if if nothing changes from Dil- Dylan Holloway, like everything that we've seen in the first two games. Granted, it's two games, like small sample size, but if that's what we're getting in the next four games, send him back to Bakersfield. Only if we have a fully healthy lineup. True, but like when you look at the the lineup right now, you have McLeod skating on the fourth line. Well, that's the thing, and that's what I mean right now. I'd oh. be, I'd be okay with it, um, in the sense that now Fogel and Yamamoto are healthy. They can both slot into the top nine, and then we have a really solid top nine. So, and I don't want to give up on the guy, but yeah. we'll see. Like you said, by next podcast, once they've played six, seven games, see how he's playing, see if he's getting a bit more confident with the puck, if he's getting more chances, or if he's still playing a little tentative mm-hmm. because he's afraid to make another mistake. Like that's the last thing you need. You need confidence in the NHL. Everybody talks about that with Jesse Pugliarvi all the time. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that they take that to Holloway as well. And you don't want to rush guys. And we've crossed this bridge of 10,000 times at this point. Yep. It's like, give the guy a chance to mature, but don't ruin his confidence at the same time. Exactly. It's kind of walking a fine line because you don't want to Samarukov it, yeah. but you don't want to like give him too long of a leech, leash like maybe Pugliarvi got at the beginning of his career. That's fair. I, I just, they have to do something to give him looks in the next couple games because he's... Eight minutes on ice, both games, like, that's not doing anything for him. No, he's playing fourth-line minutes, really, at that point. I'd rather he, if he's not playing at least 12 minutes a night, because I think that would be about third-liner. Yeah, yeah. Saying, like, the first line's 20 minutes, then 60 minutes, 12 minutes, and then eight minutes probably would be a good separation, I think, ish. Mm -hmm. Um then, yeah, if he's not playing third-line minutes, or in the top nine for that matter, like, say, for example, they drop him down to the fourth line, unless they're running 11 forwards and, like, rotating McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nuge with the fourth-liners, then I don't really see the point in keeping him in the lineup. I know we're now really tempering our expectations after uh, the preseason, and I think the last podcast we were hyping Holloway up, but everybody was, to be fair. Um, And this is what people need to expect. Well, the other thing that I'll kind of walk back my own point though too is in the first 120 minutes of hockey 32 of those have been on special teams yeah and so. holloway doesn't play on well he plays on the second power play unit but they don't really play in edmonton to be fair <laughs> so like it's the same with fogel last year he wasn't on any of the like special teams and he completely fell out of these kind of games where there's all these special teams because he doesn't kill penalties he doesn't get on the power play and the lines just get super fucked up with all those special teams, mm-hmm. and they're rolling dry saddle with McDavid, and they've got everybody all over the place. So yeah, I'm. It wouldn't maybe be a bad idea for Holloway to go down and like play top line special teams, number one power play, maybe even the PK down at Bakersfield to get those minutes, learn those crafts, and then be able to translate that into the NHL so he can get more involved in the game if he's not going to be allowed, I guess, to play in the top six if not the top nine. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm fully on board there, so we'll see. I guess what happens in the next couple uh, next couple days, but yeah, I just we've got like you mentioned forward depth, and I don't know like if like at what point does it start harming McLeod to play on the fourth line? Well, like it didn't seem to harm him too much considering yeah. he got that goal, and plus he's like one of our top penalty killers, plays on the second unit power play as well, so he doesn't get as lost. Plus he's a center, which means he can rotate around a little bit easier. So, but I do agree. I don't want to see McLeod on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, a testament to our depth if he is on the fourth line. No kidding. Which is a good sign. But 
I don't know if I want it still, especially if it means that guys are only playing like seven or eight minutes a night. Like Derek Ryan had this issue with Tippett last year. We mm-hmm. went over that at one point where he was barely playing and he would suddenly get thrown on the ice. Like there was multiple times I was like, where's Holloway? I haven't seen him in forever. And he would come onto the ice for 20 seconds and then have to change again. Yeah. I, I it, it's just, it's like the blender was out at times just trying to get the, the lineups back together. But um, I was going to ask you, what did you think of Warren Fogle's game? Like, I thought he's decent. Yeah. Like, similar to, I guess, Holloway in the sense that I didn't notice him that much. But huh. um, only because it's hard to notice a lot of players outside of the big ones. Um, and I was having a couple drinks on Saturday. Oh, I, I was... did have a, a bunch of buddies over watching the game. So, oh, okay. Um, I thought it Warren... made my focus fall a little bit. But please tell me about Fogel from. I honestly, I thought he was probably the hardest working guy in the bottom six, in, in Calgary. He just he was throwing his body around. Like, granted, he only had what the hell did he have in in minutes, eleven minutes. But every single time he was out there, he was he was throwing his body around. He was getting involved. Um, he has two shots and two hits listed, and you can't say that for half the fucking team. And it's, I don't know, I was just really happy to see that. He seems to have, like, a different fire underneath him this season. I think he knows that. I think that. he has more confidence, the pressure's on, and he's getting more minutes because now he's playing on the penalty kill. So I think that's helping him stay more involved in the game. Yeah, good point, good point. Um... Yeah, I guess the the just looking right now, the Edmonton Oilers posted on on Twitter that they have officially uh, called up Nima Linen and optioned Brad Malone back to Baco. So hopefully we get. I'm excited to see Nima Linen. Me too. Who comes out? Murray probably. I don't think they I'd would be willing to bet that too. Unless they're wanting to play somebody on the offside, that's really the only option. I don't think they're going to take unless they really hated that Kulak lost an edge on that one yeah. play. But sometimes that shit happens. <laughs> that literally just happened minutes prior on the other side with Rasmus Anderson. So if they do pull Murray out, though, they've got to shake up the lines. You can't put Nima Linen and Bouchard together. Well, you could. Bouchard's not a rookie anymore. I know. But I'd rather see Nima Linen with Barry. Yeah. Because I think this, they complement each other with their play styles, to be fair. Um but it's funny that you're uh, commenting on how Kulak and Barry is going to give you like a heart attack. Yeah. Because I know after the playoffs, you were hyping up that pairing, saying how good they were together. Sean, I change my mind every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Did I really? Yeah, you were like, they were fantastic there. Barry was great in the playoffs. and Well, Kulak, like Kulak was absolutely lights out in the yeah. playoffs. But I don't know, this version of him is just... Well, he's got the bag now. That's true. <laughs> Maybe he needs a couple more hours on the farm. Well, I, th- I think they'll figure it out. It's just that yeah. I think timing is a huge issue in the beginning of the year. And you don't want to be like some of these teams that are calling for everybody's heads, like Vancouver, for example, right. are ready to lose it because they keep blowing three-goal leads or two-goal leads or whatever yeah, to, in their last two games. So some of these teams are just panicking. And one thing I've noticed that I want to comment on is – after both of the three goal deficits, I was never nervous. I actually felt the exact same. We're just like, ah, oh, damn, down by three. I was like, well, when's the comeback going to happen? Yeah. It's not like before, like, let's say five years, no, more than five years ago, seven years ago or something like that, when I it would be 3 nothing in the first 10 minutes, I'd just turn off the TV. 
Yeah. And be like, yeah, I'm not watching this today. <laughs> and then you look at the scoreboard at the end of the game, it'd be 5 nothing or something. You'd be like, okay, good. Good thing I turned it off. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, at least they make a game of it, like the game of Calgary, where they came back within a goal, and it was a pretty exciting third period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on. It's not... I don't, we shouldn't finish on this news, but I we I want to talk about the gambling shit. Um, I want to talk about gambling too. Okay, I love. Perfect. I don't love gambling. <laughs> I don't love. Why was I going to say that? I don't like gambling. Hi, my name is Sean. I'm. Um, oh, I've already learned my lesson with ga- gambling. So yeah, I don't even. I'm not even interested in it in any way. What piqued this debate? Actually, well, not really a debate, but um, I was talking, interacting with with Nation Dan, um, our. Uh, our buddy over at Oilers Nation. I want to preface this by saying Dan is one of the nicest humans on the planet. And I just thought his take about the the gambling and commercials, um, I just, I didn't agree with it. So I, I shared my perspective of it. But the amount of ads that we're seeing in between commercials is getting to be disgusting. It makes me physically uncomfortable most yeah. of the time. The same stuff over and over and over. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, Bet 365, um, bet 99 with Matthew Barnaby, the, is it M- MGM? Bet, bet MGM? I yeah, don't know yeah, what it yeah. Is. With, with Gretzky. Gretzky and Connor McDavid now is in those ads. And Low-key one of the funniest commercials, though. Oh, it's like, it's <laughs> but, one of yeah. the better ones. It's better than, like, the one from last year with Gretzky <laughs> walking toward the camera being like, I like sports betting. <laughs> Check it out. It's like, none of that, to, like, I don't want Jesse Pinkman trying to sell me on sports betting all the time. <laughs> Like, it's not exactly doing it for me. but And it's the same with Matthew Barnaby. I don't really care. He's just like, I haven't retired. I gamble now. It's like, okay. But with any of this, it's all a bunch of horseshit anyways. Mm-hmm. But I know you want to talk about this in more detail. No, I just I, – I think that uh, it's it sets a bad precedent because a lot of people are going to start gambling. And uh, believe it or not, addiction is, is like in your DNA. It's It's predisposed. Uh, people who have it may not realize they have it until they have, you know, they, they and engage with it. And so if you get a bunch more people starting to gamble, you're essentially seeing an industry that's like profiting off of people's addictions. And I think it's gross. Um, some people can manage it and um, many, many people cannot. Yeah, I, I'm OK. Like same with obviously with uh, other vices, like you can partake and be OK. I realize that people have the ability to turn that off. It's kind of like smoking. How many ads do you see on, about smoking on TV? Well, it's the same thing with smoking that I would like the, it to be like stamped everywhere with all these warnings and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Like every single gambling ad has to be followed by a gambler's anonymous ad. Yeah. Or something like that. And, and I feel I, the same way about like beer commercials and everything mm-hmm. like that where they um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Just put it in the spotlight like it's this great thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's just my personal take. Like, um, and, and just to tie a bow on the, the conversation, I was really appreciative of his comments when he was just saying, like, I, I need to do more, educate myself on this stuff. And I think that's the least you can, or the most you can ask. I don't know. It was, it, I didn't ask for that. Um, to be fair, anybody who says that, it shows that they're a good person. Exactly. And capable of critical thinking. Exactly. Um, but my take with sports gambling, like, I'm happy that it's legal because mm-hmm. I think it's fun. Right. Occasionally. But my issue with it specifically is the ease of it. Mm. So 
and that's to it's not just sports gambling it's all types of gambling so like blackjack and all that so like when video blackjack when i could open play alberta and be gambling like within five seconds of turning on my phone like that is the problem i don't care about sports betting if you had to like go somewhere physical or it takes like time to do it but you can just you could bet like what a hundred thousand dollars if you really wanted to in the span of 30 seconds from the couch at your house yeah and now it's like all these people think that they're not going to be losing this money and they do and put themselves in shitty positions yeah it's i completely agree at the end of the day my overarching theme here is that it's too easy yeah and i hate how much they're shoving it down everybody's throats i yeah and the reason i wanted to talk about it today is i think they've crossed the line um there's one ad that's out there i i don't even know what company it's for but it's john lovitz is in the commercial Uh, the premise is the guy goes to the bathroom at a party to go make a bet and john lovitz pops in and tells him about this like uh uh this this betting ad and uh He's, like, trying to keep him quiet so that nobody hears him in there betting. Like, what the fuck are you promoting? I think like, that's the score. Is it is, the score? I think so. I just Googled. Uh, we're not going to play that ad. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no free a guy, ads. Yeah, he's talking to a guy in the bathroom. So, yeah, it's the, the score's betting like, or whatever. Uh, that's where it's like, okay, now basically you're doing it and hiding it. Like, that's addiction yeah. 101. <laughs> yeah. Supporting the hiding it mentality. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't I don't like any of it, honestly. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of people share it. And it's everybody's choice once yes. you're of legal age to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I'm not going to complain that you want to go sports gambling. I just don't want it to be like every five seconds have somebody slap me across the face with a new app. Be like, go check out this app for a free, like, $100 credit if you deposit $100. It's like... Thank you. That's the exact summary I was trying to put together, but you did much better with better words. So. Well, we, we, I was watching the game with my friends on Saturday, and everyone's yeah. saying the same thing. And they're just yeah. like, I think I've seen this sports betting ad 10,000 times. It's like, once it's like, okay, cool. And then the second time, you're like, okay. Then the 10th time, you're like, please fucking stop. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I guess that's my personal take with ads in general. Like, mm-hmm. Right now, my new pet peeve is the legacy heating and cooling ads on 1260, <laughs> where they have their stupid, shitty songs all the time. Or call them Bruce, like, every time he Well, <laughs> like, and I've talked about the Spence Diamonds ones in the yeah. past, but, like, currently it's the legacy heating and cooling ones, where I, if I hear them start talking, I change the radio station immediately. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to get their shitty little jingle stuck in my head again. But, oh, that's um, too funny. There was one thing we missed talking about that I want to talk about, and okay. that's that Skinner's getting the start on Tuesday. Oh, shit. We okay. totally like, we have... breezed right by that, and I looked at my notes. I was like, oh, fuck. So yes. I know there's been a lot of people, and we were talked about it already, complaining about Campbell. Yes. And we've already had our take where we think Campbell didn't really have a chance, got hung up to drive by his defense. And personally, I thought Campbell should get the start again. Same. But with that being said, we've also talked about how we essentially want Skinner to have about a third of the starts. So I think this is more of a reward for Skinner getting this start, for oh, example. I see what you're saying. Like, it, it would have been a pre-scheduled start anyway. Yeah, in my opinion anyways. Like, I think this is, like, a reward for Skinner maybe, even if it wasn't pre-scheduled. It's not a punishment to, for Campbell for playing badly or anything like that. Like, this is purely because Skinner played well. And I think he was going to get either this game or the next game regardless. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Vladar starting against Edmonton 
right. uh, on Saturday yeah. because they have a, a set one-a-week thing, like you just said, that they're going to play. And I think it should be similar with, uh, with Skinner because, one, it keeps Campbell from being overworked. Two, it lets Skinner show and grow more as a player. Well, yeah, I, uh, and looking at the next four games, you have Buffalo, Carolina, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh. I want Skinner's confidence to start growing. Yeah. Isn't there That's, a back-to-back in one of those, like the last uh, two games or back-to-back of that or something? Uh, no, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday is what I meant to say. I know there's a back-to-back coming up very soon. Oh, is soon. there? Yeah, it might even be on Tuesday or something like that. That might be but it. But with that being said, like Skinner's going to play one of those games. Like yeah. I won't be surprised if he gets one in every three to four starts, somewhere in that range all the time. Yeah. And I don't care about riding the hot goalie all the time or benching the cold goalie or whichever you want to do. Yeah. I think this season at least Campbell's our starter, and people better not be throwing Campbell to the Wolves after one game. No kidding. Where he wasn't even the problem. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I wonder if... Beautiful. Can people hear that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. That's coming loud and clear. This is what happens when you live off a major road. Um, yeah. If you can't hear it, there's a fire truck going by. Yeah. <laughs> These fucking things wake me up at like three in the morning. It's so annoying. So uh, when I was in second year university, yeah, I lived across the street from a fire hall. Holy shit! Literally, like every single night at two or three in the morning, they would come out, sirens blaring all the time. And eventually, about halfway through living there, I like tuned it out. Didn't even notice. <laughs> How many people do you think are tuning out right now? Uh, one other <laughs> thing. What? <laughs> one last thing. Um, to to finish up on here. Uh. The virtual ads. Is the fire like right here? Like, I have no fucking on? clue. Like, <laughs> okay, it stopped. <laughs> Wait, does that mean the fire is here? <laughs> if it yeah, stops, yeah. honestly, they'll just fucking blow their like horns, just get through the intersection. And That's just, what like, I would do. Yeah. Anyways, um, virtual ads on the boards. It's fun time making fun of them. I'll say that much. Oh my god, they they were better on Saturday. I'll give them that. But I was watching the the lease game before, um, and. I noticed the difference because obviously the Oilers have to introduce. We didn't even talk about Oilers Plus yet. Jesus. Oh, we can uh, talk about that after. Yeah, but the Oilers had that Oilers Plus ad, and it's so interactive. And um, the Leafs, everything on on their game was static, and then it just changed. And yeah. I think when you have that interactive shit, that's when stuff breaks. But well, I think the issue so far with those ads is that they're doing it. First of all, there's ones that move. That's really bad. Yes. Because it completely pulls your eyes. I think I saw a <laughs> the gif. The puck? Yeah, the one, the puck. <laughs> so there's one ad where the puck starts in one corner and rips around to the other corner. And, like, it's so distracting. And, like, all you could think of is, like, if the players could see this, they'd be fucking losing their minds. No kidding. But um, it's very jarring sometimes, especially when it changes, like, mid-play. Not even when the camera changes different angles or they go to a commercial, like... It needs to be set in stone between whistles, I think. And they need to cut away, add it, and then cut back. So it's not so jarring. Um, and then, I don't know, they just need to get rid of it, honestly. <laughs> I, I feel nauseous sometimes watching it because it completely takes me out of it. How uh, how pissed would you be if you're a company that's, like, buying board ad revenue? Board ad, that's not revenue to them. Uh, but buying board space. And, like, the only people that get to see your ad are the people at the game. To be fair, I think that's probably part of the deal. You think it's probably adjusted? Yeah. If it wasn't adjusted, then yes, I would be very yeah, pissed. that's a good point. Because, well, and to be fair, their ads are still there, what, half the time, because the virtual ads aren't always going. 
But there's, I think it was in the Vancouver game. It was like glitching super, super hard in the first period. Yes. And just terrible. And I don't know. I think everybody's already tired of them. So maybe they should uh, pay back those sponsors. And maybe figure out a better way to do it. Don't do white boards with white jerseys and think that that's going to work out. <laughs> um, yeah, finally, Oilers Plus. We are motoring today. Um, Oilers Plus, are you going to buy it? I, I'm actually like almost rebelling against it. I'm not going to buy it for two reasons. First reason is that they have taken free content like the live pregame stuff and the postgame stuff, and are now making people pay for it. Yes. And the second reason is that I already forget what my second reason was. Nice. Nice. <laughs> that was. I think that was the main reason. I don't know why I said two I'm, reasons. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. Um, but the, uh, the other thing that I was just thinking of is, holy fuck, Sean, I forgot mine too. <laughs> God damn it. I will um, say that I will do the free trial once the like, ah. HBO thing is out, or like the style show, mm-hmm. once there's a few episodes and just binge that over a weekend or something. That's. But I'm not paying 60 bucks for what should be free content, and is free content from several other teams in the NHL. Yeah, that brought me back to my, my last point, is that uh, from the initial responses of everybody that's popping up online, they're, they're like, don't waste your money. Yeah. Like, that would be the only thing I watch is the drop. The idea, kind of cool. Execution so far, very poor. Yeah. What would make it worth it to you? What would make it worth it? What would they have to add to it to suddenly make it worth it? Honestly, like, this might sound dumb, but if they pulled the free shit out of it, I might be more willing to buy it. But it's the fact that they're taking free content and putting it behind a paywall now that pisses me off. I mean, it makes me wonder, like, I know you can make money, say, for example, on YouTube if you have enough Mm. viewers and stuff like that. It's like, why don't they just put it on YouTube? Yeah. And, like, you'll, it probably won't earn as much as the people, especially early on doing these subscriptions, but this is going to, like, tail off where people realize it's garbage mm. and aren't going to bother getting it. And you're only going to get the hardcore of the hardcore, like, 2,000 maybe people who are willing to pay for it. It's, yeah, it's, again, money grubbing from the Edmonton Oilers. That's... Oh, it's just, uh, it's a joke. But, oh, there was another price gouging thing. It's not related to the Oilers, but it is related to Rogers, which is related to the Oilers. Sick. So um, I was looking at tickets to the Blink-182 concert that's oh, coming yeah, in June. Yeah, yeah. So we were looking at the pre-sale first. Okay. For nosebleeds, for the upper bowl, 150 minimum. Holy shit. Lower bowl, 250 minimum. Floor was like $400. And we were looking at, that was the pre-sale and the public sale was today. And there's already people scalping and trying to sell tickets on Ticketmaster for $3,600 for floor seats. Holy shit. So, like, my buddy was buying tickets for us, um, for four of us, and he only managed to get two at a reasonable price in the upper bowl. And it was, like, two fifty a ticket. That's so dumb. And, like, even that, like, that's ridiculous. I said, like, I said my, like, ground is, like, I'll pay 200 for floor, and yeah. that's already a stretch. And, like, I'll pay 100 for lower bowl, and I'm not sitting in the upper bowl. Yeah. Because, like, at a concert, why why would you want to stand or yeah. sit in your seat where if you stand, say you're in the upper bowl, yeah. and if you somebody bumps you, you're going to fall three flights of stairs? I was going to say, like, Rogers of all places do that's the last place you want to be standing, yeah. potentially falling. Well, I already saw a guy get thrown down a few the of those fight? seats. Yeah. Oh, so. my God. God, what a fucking tool that guy is. <laughs> uh, I saw there's two angles of that fight. The second one that was posted... Uh, whatever started the fight, Buddy just got fed fists. Like, it was insane. 
It's funny, the guy's friend who was, like, trying to punch the guy in, like, the back of the head who grabbed his buddy, they looked like... It made Alex Salmon look like a good fighter. <laughs> like, it was not very pretty. It, yeah, it... Uh, uh, and you know what? It was probably something stupid of, like, uh, like quit leaning forward. That's probably what set it off. Oh, I'm sure it was something stupid, even though they have that randomly posted in the game where it says, please do not lean forward. Do yeah. not obstruct the view of other patrons. <laughs> But, yeah, it's horseshit. Whoever's doing that, I'm hoping to God he gets banned for life, gets charged, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's being aggressive, but he should probably go to prison (laughs) for a short period of time for doing that stuff if the other guy wants to press charges. Because if somebody did that to me, holy fuck, I would lose my mind. Especially if they didn't face any serious consequences for it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I'm sure the guys are fighting, like, nobody should be fighting. Yeah. Like... You do it if you have to. Like, the guy tr- was trying to defend his friend, but, like, come on, Don't man. be a meathead. Yeah. yeah. And he threw his hat. If somebody threw my hat, that's enough to set me Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. fucking hat. Yeah. God that's, damn. Uh, my, I was watching it with my cousin. My cousin's just like, it makes sense that he grabbed him and threw him. He threw his hat. I was like, no, he threw the other guy's hat. Fuck. I was like, this is fucking horseshit. <laughs> oh, I'm just getting heated thinking about that. If that was me, I would <laughs> fucking lose my mind. Yeah. Yeah, that... Uh nuts but is there any more positive news to end this off on oh we got another game tomorrow night sean we got buffalo in town oh buffalo so i'm excited to watch buffalo yeah i did watch their game against somebody i can't remember who they're playing but they have some exciting young players there now yeah um and see players like Dolan. uh what did he do he uh snowed the one guy who tripped his i saw that that was so fucking funny if somebody did that to one of the Speaking Oilers of players, starting I'd be fights. so mad. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm really looking forward to Carolina and Pittsburgh. I think those are going to be good uh, uh, tests to see what they're made of. Um, Carolina's going to be a good team this year again. Yeah, Carolina's scary. And this is all whatever they're doing so far. I haven't even looked this season. Um, they don't have Pacioretty playing either. So yeah. would be nice to get a nice top six forward for literally nothing mm-hmm. oh wait we got that last year <laughs> uh well buffalo carolina st louis pittsburgh coming up uh we'll actually get to record next week during the game so that'd be sick what the what, f- is the game on sunday next week? or monday it's on monday, monday. sorry what time is six. it do we watch the game and then record Ooh. is that what we should do or should we do the watch the game and record you know what? We could probably talk about this. These people don't give a shit, do they? No, everybody tuned out by this point. That's a good point. <laughs> if you're still lis- listening, I guess you're one of the real ones. Yeah, we'll see if we'll do a, a live during the game podcast next time. We won't do it live, but we'll record it <laughs> during the game. That's like, what I mean. <laughs> love it. All right, see you next week.